Hey, Craig here. Welcome back to another episode of the Bass Lessons Melbourne Player Profile Podcast. This is episode number 46, and I'm very happy to announce that it features the amazing Tom Kennedy. Uh, Tom Kennedy was on a lot of the CDs that I was listening to when I was growing up, uh, getting into jazz and bass and fusion and stuff. He's all over a lot of the uh, the Mike Stern stuff, as well as the um, Dave Weckl albums. Um, he pretty much grew up playing with Dave Weckl from when he was like 14, 15 years old. So we talk a little bit about that in the interview um, and how he kind of jumped head first into playing upright when he was like nine years old. Um, and was gigging professionally by the time he was pretty much 11 um, as a backing band with him and his brother for all these acts that were coming through um, where he was from, uh, like the Stan Kenton band. Uh, yeah, and then we talk about his move to New York um, and how within a few days he basically got the Steps Ahead gig with uh, Mike Manieri and Steve Smith and all that kind of stuff. So just a super nice guy. Um, fascinating conversation, monster of a player, we got to jam a little bit. Um, you won't hear that at the start of the podcast, um, at the start of the podcast or at the start of the interview you'll hear him um, playing with Dave Weckl at Bird's Basement in Melbourne, so I caught a little bit of his bass solo that I've put in there. Um, but you can jump onto the YouTube channel, just look for Bass Lessons Melbourne on YouTube and there's a full video of Tom and I jamming um, up there. I'm trying to keep up essentially (laughs) so uh, thanks everybody for listening Um, again these podcasts are made possible by the lovely people over at F-Bass in Canada they've been handcrafting guitars and basses for over 40 years and offer vintage inspired designs as well as contemporary offerings so thanks to F-Bass thanks to you guys for listening I hope you enjoy it Send me an email if you do, info at basslessonsmelbourne.com. Um, if you like the music that you're hearing just now, that is from a new release from my band Pickpocket. You can find that on Bandcamp. Just search for Pickpocket Funk or head over to pickpocketfunk.com. All right, without further ado, here is episode number 47, Tom Kennedy. Thank you. 
guys, how's everybody doing? This is Craig from Bass Lessons Melbourne and today I am joined by Tom Kennedy. Tom. How are you, my I'm friend? Good man, how are you? Good man. Thanks for taking the time out to come and sit with me. My pleasure. Yeah, um, I went to see the show last night in Birds with you and Mike. It was pretty awesome. Oh, thanks, man. Um, and a couple of things came to mind when I was sitting there watching. Um, how do you, let's just get straight into it, I guess, sure. you know, you how do it. you um, approach from a, from a rhythm section perspective playing behind extended solos? Because I've, I've found a lot of time when I'm playing, it's hard to know I mean, maybe where the guy's going and, and maybe the rhythm section peaks too early from what the soloist is doing or you, or you don't and then mm -hmm. it's over. You know, what's, what's been your um, approach to knowing how to to support in the best way and follow uh, Let me start by, by saying hello, Melbourne. And, uh, and also just that this is one of my favorite cities in the world. Oh, yeah, and, and I've special. been here many times and, and just love being here. So hey, guys, you know, <laughs> and all the, all the bass players out there and all the drummers and whoever else is watching. I just want to say hey to everybody. Um, I think it's, it's a combination of things for me. You know, and I'll be even more specific uh, regarding the gig last night. Okay. You know, uh, because I always I always feel like it's kind of a case by case basis. Sure. Anyway. And different people peak at different times, and mm. different people are inspired by different things. Okay. So that's the thing, and I think that's the science of it, if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. You know, or or what I like to just think is, you know, is just having a good sense, musical sense mm. of where it's going to go. But um, I will. Sometimes I'll I'll try to throw something out there, mm -hmm. you know, like like if if I've been playing a, a particular pattern behind a soloist and I feel like it needs to change up. Obviously, we, you know, throw in a couple of little extra notes or or maybe a different bass note at some point just to kind of keep our sanity yeah, yeah. from playing the same thing over and over. Yeah. But you know, maybe I'll try to trip it up with with a different rhythm. Or something, okay. and then I wait to see if there's a response. Okay. With that, so it really is almost. It really is a conversation. It, it's very much so. So so you know, and it's not just the solo. It's like you know when Dave and I were playing last night, and I hit a note, and he heard me, and he responded to that. Yeah. And so the the, you know, and vice. It happens you know both ways, obviously. Yeah. But from that became something. Something. You know, like like the I don't. I can't be specific on what the song yeah, yeah. was last night, but I remember that that went into another rhythmic idea yeah. that suddenly evolved the solo into something else, and then that propels the soloist into a different sure. into a different thing altogether. So I guess as long as everyone's listening, well, that's it. It'll, yeah, it'll work itself. Well, out. let's put it this way: if if any one person isn't listening, yeah. man, you're dead in the water. Yeah. You know, you really are, and and you can't. You know, you can't get too safe. You know, like I'm always, you know, I might be playing a, a regimented kind of rhythm, but mm. I'm always looking around me. I'm waiting for somebody to start something, you yeah. know, or to, or to throw me a little bone that I can respond to. Yeah. Because as soon as I respond, then something else has been added to the conversation and then it's going to go somewhere else. Yeah. You know, um, so as I said, it's a combination of things. So I'll wait to hear, you know, I'll wait for a cue. From somebody yeah. you know a lot of times I'll just throw out a little cue and see if it's reciprocated mm -hmm. you know and if it's not it's no big deal I mean if it sure. if it stays in that spot then that's kind of probably where it was 
where it was destined to end up. Yeah. And that's cool. But if I, you know, if I can spur on something sure. a little different. You know. and, and how do you like to be supported during solos? You know, there's that classic situation of, okay, it's the bass solo. Right. And you get two and four in the hi-hat. You know, whereas everybody, yeah, else, yeah, yeah. everybody else had the full band interacting. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, we play, well, last night you're playing electric bass. You're going to be heard, you know. Right. It was different back in the day when the band had to do that in order for the notes to be clear. Right. But it's a different scenario now. But in that jazz world, that still seems to be... The, the vibe is that the bass solo is just kind of just you know so what, what, yeah what, what do you I mean it's like? it's definitely changed it's yeah. it's a little more you know and and with the electric bass I I started as an upright player mm. <clears throat> so I played upright for ten years before I ever touched an electric bass and and five of those years was acoustic you know I didn't I didn't use an amp. I didn't even know what a pickup was. Okay. So, you know, the drummer, yeah, you know, it's a little little thing, little brushes on the on the snare, a little really high. Great way to start, actually. And it was great. I mean it was it was you know, because you learn so much mm. and you learn about dynamic very early. Yeah. You know, from from doing from experience that early on. Mm. Um, so, you know, I still use those concepts. And you know, the the other thing is that I'm fortunate, I'm so fortunate to play with the people I play with that have a great sensibility about mm. what the solos are. So, you know, like Dave, for example, will play behind me and he's still, like he's feeding me and mm. we're, we're kind of still having a conversation. Still keeps the energy. The, the energy is there and there's still a thickness to the, to yeah. the to, there's a nice pad for me to play over without it being like overwhelming. Yeah. You know, and he, you know, or, or Dennis or, or whoever I'm playing with, you know, they'll, they just keep a, a thing going on. And if they feel like I'm starting to go into a different place, they're very careful about moving, you know, and tracking me, mm -hmm. you know, which is so, so it's, it would be hard to, you know, talk about this with, I wouldn't say a lesser drummer, but maybe a less experienced drummer, sure. you know. Um, I think that's why it's really important for, you know, I used, to, I used to be really upset when drummers would sit there and watch the drummer or <laughs> bass players would sit there and watch the bass yeah. or guitar players are like glued to the guitar. But there is something very positive about that because at least you can see what your role is when you're watching great musicians play. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. That happened last night. You know, we were sitting side of stage and I was sitting next to my drummer. A friend who is a drummer, not my drummer. <laughs> right. Um, and he, he's like, this is the perfect angle because he could see Dave's feet. He could see, right. as opposed to being in the front where you couldn't maybe see a lot of the sticking or the feet. He was like, and it really opened up a lot of ideas for him. He said, you know, I didn't realize that that would be how he would play that. Right. You know, and I'm sure he wasn't just watching that. He was enjoying the whole show. But yeah. it, it ties in with that point you were saying where getting out and seeing these guys at the top of the game can... You know, if you if you go with an open mind, it can it can propel you forward. Yeah, I think I think the danger of, you know, that what 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 my pet peeve was in the beginning was that I didn't want it to be like a technical exercise, yeah. like a, like a drum lesson people or a just, bass lesson. People are just waiting for the and they're watching your they're seeing where your thumb is or <laughs> or how you're playing or what setting you have on the on the <laughs> instrument, you know, or watching the the feet just to see what kind of pedal it is, yeah, yeah. you know, or what uh, that nonsense because it's. You know that's that's a very such a subjective thing, and you yeah. put that same instrument in different hands, and it's going to be a completely different experience. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know and you guys aren't thinking about that. So right. Exactly. Yeah. We? Well, you know, Charlie Parker said, you know, learn learn all the theory, learn your horn, you know, backward and forward, and then forget all that and play music. Mm. You know, 
and and so they they really are tools, you know. But I think in the sense of if if someone is actually watching what someone is laying down, mm. you know, from a musical perspective, I think it's I think it's great. I think that's what you know drew all of us to music from the very beginning. Yeah, you yeah know? definitely. I remember and, the live gigs I used to go see, and man, I was you know like like that was it. I, yeah. That's I knew what I wanted to do. You know that was. And you, it. you grew up in the the musical Midwest. I did. Yeah, I grew up in St. Louis, which is known for the St. Louis blues and all that. But we had a great uh, we had a great jazz community there. Yeah. And a lot of contemporary players, like like guys from you know my age group. And my brother was an amazing pianist. Yeah. One of the best I've ever you know, greatest pianist ever. In my, you know, just being able to—that was so fortunate for me to be able to grow up with him. Yeah, you know. Do you reckon and, uh, you would you would have still gravitated towards music if you didn't come from a musical background? You know, I think I think that we find it because I I've seen you know a lot of people that were natural musicians and did not grow up in musical environments and still got into it. Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand, I've seen people that you know that listen to play the radio. You know, professionally, yeah, but yeah, they, yeah. you know, while they're writing code or whatever they're doing, sure. you know, um, it's so so it's kind of, you know, it's counterfactual a little bit, but but I I don't know, man. I think uh, I kind of think I would, hmm. you know. I think if I was born with, you know, my, you know, with whatever I have, whatever my gifts are, you know, musically, I think I would have gravitated to it. I don't know that I would have been a bass player necessarily. Yeah, that's true. Which would have been really interesting. I played drums for a long time. I played yeah. trumpet for ten years. Oh wow! You know, so I I went around. I ran the gambit. You yeah. know, but bass was always the main instrument for it me. It always connected to that. Me. Yeah, there was some. You know, the 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 craziest thing um, was when my brother. You know, he was in junior high school, middle school, and he brought a, an acoustic bass home. Mm -hmm. To practice because they had asked him to play in the orchestra because they didn't have anybody tall enough to play the, the bass and he was very tall and they said uh, yeah so you know would you consider playing bass in the orchestra said, oh, yeah okay whatever yeah. how can it be yeah and he and he's another one he can he can learn an instrument in, yeah, in right. a week or two you know <laughs> so and they knew that and so they gave him the they gave him the bass and he brought it home and I remember walking in and I saw this bass. You know, standing up in the corner, I was fascinated, man. Mm. You know, and I walked over, and it was it was facing into the wall. And I remember I just reached around and I played an A on it. Yeah. I remember the note I played. I played an A on it, and I heard that resonance, and man. And, and I'm going to tell you something, man. That was it. Wow. You know, and you could say what you want about that, but but for me, that I that that sealed my my fate. You know, as a, as a <laughs> as a bass player. You know. Yeah. You know, so. Um, and, and growing up, I was reading that you were, you and your brother were big kind of Oscar Peterson fans and right, stuff. Right. What is it? What is it? Do you think about Oscar's music that's so captivating? I think, well, you know, we had a couple of mentors in St. Louis that played in a very similar way. Okay. There was a guy, a bass player named Jerry Cherry. Great name. Great name. And a colorful name, colorful guy. Yeah. I mean, he was unbelievable. And he instilled so much great information, you know, in me. And it wasn't like book information. It was yeah. about soul and it was about playing time. Stuff that kind of ten years later you're like, Oh yeah, oh, yeah. It. It should be, yeah, you grow into a lot yeah. of it, sure. But you know, just to how to attack, how to get a good sound on the bass, you know, how to not worry so much about 
you know, the fingers as much as the notes that you want to mm -hmm. get out, you know. And, you know, I was a little kid, so it was kind of hard for me to play correct technique. My hands were smaller at that time, yeah. you know, so I was just hacking away, but I was playing hard, yeah. you know. And he, he, you know, was also a bass repairman, so he, he worked on my bass. Oh, okay. He had a, a, a son that was a little jazz drummer, right. a year younger than me. Mm. So my brother and I and, and Steve Cherry had a trio together. Steve was eight, I was nine, my brother was, was 11. You know, just almost 12. And we were playing Oscar Peterson stuff because Jerry Cherry kind of turned us on to this trio sound. Yeah. You know, my dad turned us on to Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker and, mm -hmm. you know, and the, and the bop thing. And then I remember, you know, Jerry played us a Oscar Peterson record one time. And man, it was just like, you know, there's such a, a mood, mm. you know, such an ambiance in that music, you know. It's kind of like the first time you hear Bill Evans, mm. you know, the Bill Evans trio with Scotty yeah. and, you know, and that, the, and that, the, that band, you know. Pocket, I think, in the time feel. Oh, God. Just... Unbelievable. Well, Ray has his, Ray had his own time. Mm. I mean, it was Ray's time, man. And you played Ray's time, <laughs> you know. And so that's, that was a lot of where I got, you know, the, the, you know, that, that you really have to be, you know, I personally think, you know, that drummers are definitely timekeepers, but bass players are as well. Yeah. You know, and we, and we shake hands with, with drummers, you know, I mean, that's, and, and I know that every drummer that I play with relies on me just as much as I rely on them, mm. you know, and so that's, it was a, it was a really good lesson for me very early on, yeah. you know, to learn how to play hard. And Jerry played very hard too. Okay. You know, he was he was a real time player. Yeah. And you know, and I used to watch him, man, and he'd get mad at the drummer and he'd start stomping his foot and yeah, looking yeah. at him, you know, and looking back at him. <laughs> you know, and, and it teaches you things. I mean, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna do that, but you know, I remember just thinking, wow, that really is it's it. That's important. what's important. It's an important thing, yeah. I'm sitting there, you know, I'm nine years old, and I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, I gotta really dig into this wow. thing, and you know, and wow, what 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 a great thing for a kid, you yeah. know? <laughs> like like to have that knowledge going forward. Totally. You know? And and it's and it's been invaluable to me. Yeah. You know, along with a lot of other things that he taught me. And how how did you go around um, assimilating such complex jazz language at such a a young age, you know, like it's not, uh, it's it's hard enough maybe for somebody who's at a university level mm -hmm. in, internalizing it, but for an eight, nine year old kid to right. just kind of delve in and, and, and get it all happening, like how, how, did, how did that happen? Well, we did it by ear. I mean, <clears throat> my brother and I both, you know, all, all, of, the, all of us have perfect pitch, right. which didn't hurt, you know, so we could pick things up fast. And uh, you know, as far as the as far as the notes, you know, I could hear what Ray was doing immediately, and it was just and I you know when you're a kid you don't think about that. I didn't yeah. think about well if I didn't have perfect pitch I couldn't pick these notes up. It was just like Natural. okay well he's playing a C and he's going to an E flat and he's doing this, and then I would just and I wouldn't even think that far. I would just hear it and I'd play it. Right. You know I I knew I just heard the notes so I could play the notes. You know so my my biggest thing was mm. getting those elements together mm. like the time and like trying to get a good sound on the instrument the notes was the easy part the notes was the easy part yeah, yeah. so it's kind of backward from from well, you know a lot of, a lot of normal yeah thing which which i you know for me it's it's you know you can't make that a, a difficult element you mm. know if that element is is seemingly easy you know 
when I get with students, I'm just like, oh, the notes are easy. Here's the thing you have to worry about. Mm -hmm. And I try to instill that same thing because then, you know, maybe they won't look at it as this daunting, incredibly daunting thing to try sure. to figure out what these notes are. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of it is, is mind over matter. Mm -hmm. And you can, you can vibe yourself out and make things a lot harder than they're than they well, need to be. I remember there's, there's a couple of good videos with Victor Wooden, mm -hmm. and he talks about that, you know, why do we spend 90% of our time focusing on 10% of music? Right. 10 to 10% being the notes, when yes. you've got all this other stuff yeah. that, 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 you know, is just as important. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and, you know, the thing is the time, you know, the time really is the thing. You know, if, yeah. you're, if you're spelling out in a very simple way, if you're spelling out you know, the, the chord changes, you're playing the roots, and you have a good feel, and you're setting up a good bass line, that's all you need to do, man. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't have to be an acrobat. You know, you don't have to be, you know, there, you, you still, in this day and age, the guy that can play a really good foundational mm. bass line is the one that's gonna be out there gigging. Yeah. You know, doing the work. Because that's what you're doing. 90% of the time. <laughs> well, and also, you know, everybody else in the band's an egomaniac, so, you know. <laughs> Not talking about you guys or anything. No, but 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 seriously, you know, it's it's like people want a foundational thing. It's still the same yeah. as it as it ever was. They yeah. want foundation behind what they're doing. Yeah. You know? So there are a lot of, you know, especially upright players, you know, that, that don't have a lot of chops, man. But these guys are out there working all the time because they're they play beautifully behind people. Yeah. You yeah. know? It's such a it's such a big part of our role yeah. musically. Yeah, I, I get students all the time that ask, how do, how do I get chops? I'm like, why do you want them? Yeah. You know? I mean, it's, it's fun, you know? It's fun. And yeah, eventually you want to develop that thing. And, and I think that's the thing. It's an eventual thing. It's not, it's not, it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. You know? And, and it also what your influence is. But, but you have to have a strong sense of what it is to be a bass player before you can, you know, you got to crawl before you can walk. For sure. In other words. Yeah. You know, but the crawling is actually the important part. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I really think that. And, and that was the thing that drew me to also that drew me to, to uh, Ray Brown was the fact that he played bass lines like a solo. I mean, he was all over the instrument. He played beautiful arpeggiated, yeah. you know, bass lines, but you didn't notice it. I mean, it was, it was just like, wow, it's just, yeah, it's, it just sounds like this incredible line, but I never heard anybody play bass like that before. Yeah. You know. So what was your transition to electric? I uh, heard Larry Graham. Good old Larry. Yeah, it was, it was funny. <laughs> well, here's, here's the other, here's the fun, this is a great story, if we have time for it. Oh, we've got plenty of time. <laughs> um, so uh, my dad had a music store for about 35 years, and so we were all forced to work there. <laughs> so I was. It could be worse. It could have been, you know. Oh yeah, no. I mean, we didn't really appreciate it. it. Was we actually had a ball? We had so much fun at that store. Yeah. And we goofed off so much, and we'd sit around playing instruments all day yeah. anyway. But um, guy came in one day just before the store closed, and my brother and I were there holding down the fort, and we, you know, we were kids, so we wanted to get out of there. Yeah. We wanted to lock the door and yeah. go home. And uh, this guy walks in. And he said, uh, yeah, can I, can I see that bass over there? I'm like, oh, God, you got to be kidding. Because you know? <laughs> these guys would come in, you know, and they'd sit there and they'd play and they'd play and they'd play. Tired and then they'd, they'd walk out. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't buy anything, you know. And I, you know that, 
Okay, well, we've got 10 minutes to go here. The so, music store Saturday afternoon chop fest. Yeah, well, you know, and that was even, I don't know, it was even before that. Yeah. You know, it's just like the guys come and thump around on the bass a little bit and, you know, yeah, I'll come back, you know. So anyway, this, this guy comes in and he sits down and he goes, uh, he goes, hey, man, you mind if I just plug into that little amp there? And I'm like, sure, okay, you know. <laughs> and he starts slapping. He starts playing funk. Okay. You know? And I don't really know, you know, I mean, and that looking back on it, I don't, I'm not quite sure, you know, what his, how much facility he had. But yeah. I remember when I saw it, it was like magical. Yeah. Like, what is this? You know, what's he doing? You know? And he sits there and he's doing this thing and I'm just standing there watching. I'm fascinated <laughs> with this guy just hang, hanging. I think he thought, I, you know, I thought he was going to steal the instrument yeah. or something. You know, but I'd never seen that before. I'm just like, ah, you know, watching him. And he said, okay, yeah, thanks, man. And he gives me the bass. And he's starting to walk out. I said, man, I said, how do you do that? You know, how do you do that, man? And he said, get a Larry Graham record. And he walked out. It was, it was really like a message from the heavens, you know? It was, it was really amazing because he didn't, you know, he didn't go into anything. I, and, I, yeah. you know, we never saw him again, obviously. And Larry had a great marketing team. <laughs> wow, no kidding. Yeah. Well, Larry, you're... <laughs> but, you know, that, that, was, that inspired me. Okay. And, and it wasn't long after that I heard Lewis Johnson play. And, um, and uh, I'm blanking on level 42. But Mark King. Mark King, yeah. And, and, you know, it just opened up a whole world for me. And, and it was, you know, because I really kind of thought I was never really attracted to the, the electric bass because I could do everything on upright. Yep. And I really loved the music that I was playing on upright until I heard Graham Central Station. Yeah. And then I thought, wow, there's this eighth note thing that's going on out there right. that, I'm, that is incredible. You know, yeah. and I, was, I would just walk it's, down the street, unique, you know? Unique to the electric bass, I guess. Yeah, very much that, so, that yeah. Playing, yeah. Although it started on upright, sure. you know, it started there, I found out later. But, uh, you know, it was, just, it was just like a whole different element. And then I thought, wow, so this is kind of like my, this is like this other thing I can do, yeah. you know, this, that's fun. It, it, it was almost kind of like I had a hobby along with playing the jazz music. <laughs> you, got the, you got the real instrument and then you got the kind of... The, yeah, the kind of the fun, the you know, and, and kind, of, kind of work on this and try to develop my chops. And I soon after that, I found a guy in St. Louis that was a good funk player and I okay. used to go out and listen to him play, yeah. you know, and man, I was, I was in. Yeah, I was, was totally in. And, you know, and then from there I started hearing other guys, and then I started realizing, yeah, you know, you can play with fingers, but you can play different things. Mm. It can be a completely different okay. thing from the upright, you know. And then later on, I developed, you know, tried tried to kind of, you know, bridge the gap. Feel like one. Yeah, you know, because that's that's the other thing. If you're going to be yeah. a doubler, you need to be able to do everything on on both. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. You know. So then, so you moved to New York in eighty. Eighty four. Eighty four. And how old were you? 24. 24, 84. Yep. Um, now you know how old I am. <laughs> I'm not that good at math. <laughs> but, I'm 26. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, what, was your, what was your plan? <laughs> to be the greatest. Yeah. You know, to, I mean, what, what every kid wants. Had you spent much time in New York before that? I'd been up, yeah, I'd been up a few times. So I actually did some, did some recordings and I knew people there. Okay. You know, and, and, uh, and you, you were like ready to. 
Yeah, you know, I figured I would just call everyone. You know, you never know. And then I got there, and I'm I'm driving through the city with my car full of my all of my stuff, going, "Oh my God, what did I do?" <laughs> you know, because New York was different back then. Yeah. You know, and it was funky. I mean, I mean, the Bowery was scary. Right. And I was uh, staying actually with a, with a friend. Fortunately, I was staying out of town. I was in I was staying with a friend in Long Island um, that lived by the beach. Hmm. And he lived in, you know, uh, these little low-rise homes, and and it was it was it was a little bit more my speed coming from St. Louis, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I loved the city, but it was a little overwhelming for me. Yeah. You know, so I lived out there with him, and uh, or I I I was driving through Manhattan to get to Long Island, and I remember just thinking, oh my God, this is this is intense, man. Yeah, right. What am I going to do here? You know, and if I don't if I don't get a gig pretty soon, man, I'm going to have to go back home. Yeah, you know? I don't know what I was going to do. Yeah, so it was it's a crazy story because I you know I'd known Peter Erskine uh, from you know from the Kenton days right. when I was a little kid, and 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 whenever the Kenton band would come through, we'd usually try to get together and play a little bit. Cool. You know, my brother and him, and you know, a couple of horn players from the band. Nice. You know, and back in those days, you could play in the hotels. You know, they'd, they'd have like a piano in the lobby, the and lobby, we'd yeah. set up a little bit and just have a little jam session. It was great, you know? Yeah. It was cool. I'll go back to that, too, because I had some really interesting times yeah. in, in St. Louis. But um, uh, so when I got to New York, I had just played a, a clinic with Peter. He was in St. Louis doing a, doing a drum clinic. And I said, you know, I'm going to be coming to New York soon. He said, well, give me a call, you know, when you come, when you get there. And Dave Weckl was, had been there before. He was going to school in Connecticut, so he was in New York at that time. And, uh, and there, were, there were a couple other people I knew, but I called them. Mm -hmm. I actually went to see Dave play that night. Okay. He was playing a gig in town, and I went, I went to see him just to let him know I was, I was around. Because um, you guys have been friends since Oh, God, yeah, 15, since we were 15 years old. Yeah, we met at a, at a, like I say, there's a lot of history that I'll yeah. have to catch up on. But... Um, yeah, kind of putting the cart ahead of the horse here. But anyway, so I, I went to see Dave that night, and Dave at that point said, you know what, I just started playing with, uh, with Bill Connors, uh, you know, the, the guy from Return to Forever, if you remember, the first guitar player with Chick. Oh, okay. And in, in that, in that thing with Stanley and Lenny White. And he said, yeah, Bill's working on this new album. He said, uh, I'm going to you know, let Bill know that you're here. He said, you know, there is a guy playing now, but I don't know if, you know, I don't know how long that's going to go or if that's going to go or what. Yep. He said, I'll let you know. And then uh, I called Peter and Peter said, you know, you're never going to believe this. He said, you know, Eddie Gomez is leaving steps, steps ahead. And he said, and we just auditioned a bunch of guys and we sort of picked a guy. He said, uh, he said, so you just like a couple of days late, oh. and I was, I was just crushed, Crushing. man. And then he said, um, why don't we do, he said there were a couple other guys that we wanted to look at, he said, why don't we set up an audition for a couple of days from now and come in and play with us? He said, because the guys will dig you, and and you know, and then and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, you know, contacts at least. Kind of right, you know, and, and I'm thinking, yeah, Mike Brecker, Mike <laughs> Manieri, yeah, no problem. Yeah. You know, Warren Bernhardt was playing piano. I mean, this, these were the, the guys, man. Yeah. You know, this is what I looked, what I thought I would eventually get to. You know, moving to New York. You know, and I was given the opportunity yeah, and, to play you, with these guys. You got to be in it to win it. You know, you had to. Exactly. You had to exactly. Be there, so. so um, 
I got the I got the call the next day, and Peter said, "Yeah, I've got it set up for Thursday." He said, "He said so we have this new album, Modern Times." He said, "Learn these tunes, you know, learn about five tunes." Yeah. And and I knew all the old stuff, mm. like Pools and all the all the earlier stuff, which I love. Yeah. You know, I'm a huge fan. So I went in and played, and uh, and we started playing Pools, and I played the melody, and we, you know, kind of got through the the tune, and then got into Mike's solo. You know, Mike Manieri played a solo, and then Mike Brecker started to play, and I'm just like, oh my God, I'm si I'm sitting here listening to the the masters of the universe here, yeah. you know, and I'm like playing with these guys, you know, yeah. it's awesome, man, you know, wow. and uh, and pretty soon like Peter started like laying in, and Mike Brecker's like playing, and he's kind of looking at me, smiling, and then he starts playing harder, and pretty soon this like it just it just became this freight train, wow. man. And you know, I started digging in, and yeah. and I could tell like everybody was having fun. Yeah. You know, it was it it, you know, it it kind of went from being an audition to like, okay, this is now we're having fun. Now we're just playing music. What's that? Now we're just playing music. Now we're just playing music. Exactly. Yeah. So now now we're having fun. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. And I was just thinking, you know, if the buck stops here, fine, man. <laughs> this is, you know, I got to hear like the greatest on the on the planet. Yeah. You know? And uh, so, so they were like, yeah, and, and they said, well, do you know, like, like some of the stuff from the new record? And uh, I said, yeah, I think, you know, I said, which, which one do you want to do? And so I played them, you know, I played them without reading it, you know, I, yeah. I memorized everything. you done your homework. i done my homework, yeah. Number one thing when you're going on audition, guys, you know, know the tunes, don't read anything. Mm. You know, like go in and be conscientious because people love that. Because then you can play and interact. Exactly, and it's and it's a thing too, man. If you go in an audition and you know someone's music, people are, you know, that's that's the greatest form of flattery. Well, because it shows you know? that that you care and you want it enough. Right. That's it. Know? That's it. And people are stoked. Yeah. You know, it puts you on a different level immediately. Yeah. You know, and so I got the, I got a call the next day. Yep. And Peter <clears throat> said, "Welcome <throat> to the band." You know, he said the guys loved you. You knew all the stuff. He said you played the hell out of all of it. He said you're in. You know, and so that was the second day I was in New York. <laughs> Third day I was in the New York. Uh, uh, Dave Weckel calls me. He goes, hey, guess what? Uh, this bass player uh, is not able to, you know, keep doing this thing with Bill Connors. So do you want to play with Bill? And we have a rehearsal coming up in a couple of days. I'm like, yeah. Okay. You know, and so it was just like one of those crazy things. Things fell into place. Yeah, it was like at the right place at the right time. Yeah. And that's so rare, you know. But it was it was just wonderful. And but but again, it was it, I I really feel like it was just being ready to produce. Yeah. When you when you're put in the situation. Yeah. You know, and Bill, you know, I'd never heard his music. He was he wrote this new music, and it was all charted out. You know, and it was kind of hard to read the stuff, yeah. you know, but he later told me, he said, you know what? He said, you didn't read it perfectly. He said, but the spirit was there immediately. He said, I knew that halfway through the first head that you were going to be the guy. Yeah. He said, because the time you and Weckl were like, you know, we're like one guy. Yeah. And he said, you know, and you had a great sensibility with my guitar playing and you were mm -hmm. staying out of my way, but you were playing assertively when you needed to. You know, and again, it, it goes back to this conversation thing. Mm. So you try to get away as far away from the music or as far away from the, the written page as you can 
which is a hard thing to do sometimes. Yeah. But you know, it should always be music first. And I and I was I was actually willing to make some mistakes and look away from the chart so that I could get get a visual going with people. Yep. You know, and it's a and rehearsal situation anyway. It's not like we're on and a then gig. Trust your ears and, and trust your ears. Trust your sure. Ear you know, and, and I can jump back in at letter B. Yeah. You know, but the idea is just to to you know give to have that sense of you know that 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 visual conversation as well. Yeah. You know. So would you say the um, maybe what's one of the uh, defining traits that's helped you get through your career? Something that you've that you've kind of worked on that you felt has has been consistent in, in helping you to, to get to where you are. Yeah, I think all these things. I think I think playing good time. Yeah. I think being conscientious about the music. Mm-hmm. You know, I think having a good sound. You know, I think that's really important. Yeah, because people want something that's established. You know, yeah. they they want to feel like, you know, that that to me is identity. Yeah, just as much as the as you feel. You yeah. know. And even more so sometimes, you know, for certain for certain situations. Sure, and I guess maybe don't be afraid to to really sculpt that because yeah, not everybody likes everybody, so not everybody's right. going to like your tone, but at least some people will, as opposed to it being wallpaper. Well, the other thing, you know, and I just and and this was not that long ago, but I did a I did a record date for for a guy um, that wanted me to play upright initially. In this recording, but then later on decided that he wanted some electric bass, and he also decided that he wanted some fretless electric bass, and he also decided that he wanted, you know, a little bit of this, you know. So the full range. The full range, and he said, you know, it went from bring your upright to bring every bass you own, <laughs> you know, so that we can decide on what, you know, what it's going to be. Yeah. And I brought four basses, you know, but I could play them all, mm-hmm. and I understood them all. And I and I had a lot of experience playing all the bases. Mm. You know, I I was I played fretless. I played fretless exclusively with Steps Ahead. Really? Yeah, because they wanted they wanted a hybrid. You know, they, Eddie had left the band, and they wanted they wanted more of an electric flavor, but they still wanted that a little bit of an acoustic bit of that bloom kind of sound. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a little growl. So so this little this little Italian fretless bass that I have was oh, okay. perfect for the gig. You have to see this bass yeah. sometimes. It's amazing. There were like five hundred of them made. It's it's. It's like one of those like kind of nineteen sixties. Yeah, sixty kind of sixty five, I think, or sixty four, something like that. But um, you know that that was the thing for me was just having, you know, the having the sensibility in whatever he wanted me to do, and that that's so important, and it's even more important these days. Mm. You know, for, for young guys, man, you've got to be able to play everything these days because people are exposed to everything these yeah. days. You know, back when we were coming up, when I was coming up anyway, you know, if I heard like great jazz and I heard, you know, like like Jimmy Cobb, you know, the, the great jazz drummer, I was stuck on Jimmy Cobb for a long time, you know. Yeah. Or if, I, you know, like Ray Brown, I was stuck on Ray for years, you know. Yeah. And I developed a lot, so it was a good thing. But these days, you've got this bass player, you got this bass player, you got this bass player, and everybody wants to play all this music. So you've got to kind of try to emulate these guys, mm. you know, as as well or copy, sort of copy their styles as much as you can. It's it's really great, but it's very demanding. Yeah, you know, so you really have to be very well versed 
in everything these days. Yeah. So I think that's 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 a good key. You know, is just try to expose yourself to as much music as you possibly can. Yeah. As many different styles as you can. Latin is huge, like Brazilian music. You know, you've and there and it's endless. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and those rhythms are deep. They're they're deep. Yeah, Indian music, needless <clears throat> to say. You know, yeah, and uh, you know, and then and then jazz has evolved so much. There's so many different, you know, yeah. little 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 pockets of of, yeah. of music there. You know, mm. and it's become a lot more demanding with time signatures and and all that, and you know, and and harmonically as well. Yeah, you know, it's not just dominant chords anymore. <laughs> you know, it's 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 pretty heavy stuff. Yeah, heavy stuff. And yeah. what what is your approach to um, electric tone? Like, what are you trying to to sculpt from the instrument. I want to get. I I like to get a smooth, a smooth, punchy, you know, mm -hmm. kind of contradicts <laughs> contradiction in terms, but not really because it's it's more about the tone of the instrument. I like to be kind of a rounder mm -hmm. kind of sound, but also have that that punch. Yeah, you know, because to me, you know, if I and and with with playing the bass and playing a bass line. It's going to be more out of the way than if you've got like a lot of clanky high end or you've got a real deep bottom going on. Yep. It can be distracting, you know, for me. So I like to be, I like to fit into the, the mix as much as I can, yep. you know, and just be a part of it. I used to love albums where the bass drum and the bass were so locked together and you actually couldn't tell where the tone was coming from. Mm. Like you couldn't tell where the bottom was coming from. It was the bass and the bass, the bass drum. drum going, well, it was, <laughs> you know, it was, well, yeah. it was, yeah, it was hard to tell yeah. a lot of times, you know, and you'd have to listen. Like if the, if the bass player would play a note where the, where the kick drum didn't happen then you, oh, and vice versa, then you'd figure it out. You go, oh yeah. So it, the kick drum is, is, is setting up the bottom of the, yeah. of the sound of the bass. So that so, low F that, that I'm hearing is really not as deep. As I thought it was, because I was hearing the kick. So you're kind of sitting a little bit above the kick. Yeah, you know, or or depends. Depends. Yeah, depends. Yeah. On, depends on the situation. But those are the those are the you know the kind of little you know things that, that I like to. That's the research that that's fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just to see where things sit, and that's really important. And know. what what brought you to Federa? Oh God, well that was that was just a done deal, you know. I was at a NAMM show, um, and I was playing with Bill Connors at that time, and I was okay. playing an old 64 jazz bass, okay. which is a beautiful instrument. It's great. But still, it buzzed like hell. Still have it? No. No, it's gone. <laughs> I had L-series precision and jazz bass that I sold for nothing, you know, and they're, they're priceless now. Yeah, wow. You know? I went through a lot of instruments back in those days. Um, so I was at the at the show, and I was walking around, and and I was realizing that I wanted to have, get a five string. Uh, when when was this approximately? This was when I was just in New York. Okay. I just I was just starting to rehearse with Bill Connors, and I was starting to hear like these things an octave down, you know. Anthony Jackson. Big time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and Dave had been playing with Anthony some and. And, uh, and so I heard a couple of, I heard the Steve Kahn record called Casa Loco. I don't know if you've ever heard that. I haven't heard that one, no. Incredible, incredible. And Dave played it for me in his car <laughs> one night. We sat out in front of Bill Connor's place after rehearsal, and he said, hey, man, check this out. And he played it, and that was it for me, man. You it's like, you know, and needless to say, AJ is just incredible, you know. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's <clears throat> you know, the greatest. 
But the tone really like pulled me and I'm like, oh wow, you know, the low mm -hmm. B thing was like, yeah, that's exactly what I want. You know, I want that sound. And um, so I went to the NAMM show and I was actually playing with Bill. We were at the Dean Markley booth. I used to, we used to endorse Dean Markley products yeah. a long time ago. And uh, so we were at the Dean Markley thing and I was playing and I said, you know what, man, I'm just gonna walk around and see what's here, you know? And so I was playing a bunch of, you know, five strings. I never, I never really thought about playing a six, you mm. know. And so I was looking at five string basses, and they, you know, they would feel weird, or the sound wasn't quite right, you know, or they had a real extreme dip, you know, in the EQ, and so there wasn't a lot of mid range, and it didn't, it didn't sound like my Fender, you know, it wasn't as clear as my Fender, you yeah. know. And I was thinking, well, that's, that's it, not it is work. hard to get that four string clarity on on a five, I find. It is, but then you know, it, and it was so funny because I'd given up, mm. and I went back to the Markley thing, and I got my base and I packed it up and I'm walking out the thing and I turn the corner and I see Federa, you know, and they've got it and they've, and I immediately see this five string sitting up there, you know, just a very, you know, jazz bass, just normal, you yeah. know, very, you know, didn't really stick out, you know, just sitting there and I thought, eh, what the hell, you know? And so I saw Joey, Joey Laricella was there and I, and I said, hey, do you think I could play that bass? Yeah, yeah, come on over, you know? Try it out. And he plugs it in, and I played it, and I played about five notes. I'm like, "This is it. Mm. This is it." You know, it was like I'd played it my my entire life. It just it just you know it it just molded to my hands. Yeah, and it had that clarity. It had that amazing clarity that my Fender didn't have. You know, it was like my Fender on steroids. Yeah, you know, it was amazing. It was and, so clear. And versatile. And versatile, yeah. And, and, I, and I put the back pickup on. I was able to play all my stuff like, like I'd been playing the bass forever. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I said to them, I said, you know, I'm playing with Bill Connors and I'm doing, playing with Steps Ahead and I'm, I'm looking for a five-string man. And I, you know, I don't know if you guys would be interested. I said, but, you know, maybe we could, you know, if we could work out some kind of a deal, you know, where, where I could represent your company or whatever. Because I really believe in this instrument. Right off the bat, yeah. I mean, this thing is incredible. And um, I was playing a gig with, I remember, never forget, I was playing a gig with Bill Connors two nights later at this uh, Upper West Side Club with, with Dave, with Weckle. Oh, yeah. And uh, we're playing the gig, first set, and I'm playing with my Fender, and here come Federa, Vinnie Federa and Joey Laricella come walking in with the bass. Oh. And, and sit down. And I come off on the break. I said, hey, what are you guys doing here? They said, we came to give you your, your bass. I said, what are you talking about? He said, that's yours. Really? That's your bass. They said, play it on the second set. The one that you played in the... Yeah, yeah, the five string that was sitting up at the, at the NAMM show. Yeah. They brought it to me and said, yeah, we want to do this. I said, so, you know, play your bass on the, on the next set. So you did? And I did, man, you know. And I, never, and I never looked back. Yeah. You know, there, there was just never an instrument that I played. And, I, and I've played a lot of Federa's, mm. you know, since then. I've played a lot of, a lot of basses that come in, in and out of the shop. Mm. And they're amazingly consistent. Yeah. You know, and they're all so playable. That's the thing, yeah. you know. And it's, it's hard to describe that because a lot, of, a lot of instruments feel good until you have them on the gig. It's, that's the litmus test, you know, to yeah. on the gig. It really is the gig, you know. And, and I've never been let down. Mm. With, with them. You know, I get them on the gig and it seems like they, they, they're even better. 
you know, they just speak that much Well, I mean, better. you just need to look at, you know, the artists that are playing them. and Absolutely. You know, you look at that, you know, the, yeah. the list and you go, there must be something in it. Well, I was one of the first. I got, I was, after Anthony Jackson, <laughs> yep. you know, um, and I think... Victor must have been around then. I don't think he'd, I, I think I was before. Yeah. I think I was before a lot of those guys, but shortly after. Good to get in early. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, it was great, and they they were so kind and they were so good to me. And as a result, I have two signature models that that you know that that That's cool. that are in the line. Yeah. So I'm I'm stoked, thrilled. Yeah. You know. Have you ever played the Anthony Jackson one? You must have played the. I have. Yeah. 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 What, is that a how does that speak? Oh, to the big you? fat guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a thing. It's a thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that's that's the that's the best way to say it. It's unique for him, you know. It's unique for him, and and I could see the attraction to it. Mm -hmm. As I said, I never really went with the the high C string. Sure. Like it just never really spoke to me. Yeah. You know, I kind of wanted to stay organic, just in the sense of. Base. The top end of the bass, mm, okay, but yeah. I wanted to be able to get that extended range on the bottom. Yeah. So for me, I've never really, I've never considered. I played a six string for a minute, yeah. you know, for about six months, mm -hmm. and I actually recorded a Bill Connors record with a, with a six string bass, uh -huh. one of one of the later records. But but I never. And you realized you didn't really use a high C. You know what I ended up doing? I I put the G on the top and I had a low F sharp. You went, Which oh. was really cool wow. because I could get a, I could like play a G and then play a sub G below it. That's which was very cool. That's actually quite you know that's only kind of in recent times has has that F sharp thing been been a thing. I found so you were doing it back in the day. I did it a long time ago. Originator. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I because I wanted the G on top and yeah. I thought, look, I've got this great bass, and again they gave me this amazing instrument. Yeah. And and I thought, you know, I want to be able to utilize this amazing instrument, yeah. you know. So I put the G on top, and you know, that was that was the only yeah. way to deal with that. Do you still make it out to the Nam show? No, I haven't been there in years. No, I, I just you know, there's always something going on. I'm always on tour or yeah. something, and you yeah. know, or doing a recording thing or something. Yeah. So, I um, I'm, I sort of miss it. It's it's a great way to see people catch up. You know, just yeah. kind of catch up. Is there any any kind of current um, artists or, or bass players or bands that you kind of caught your caught your ear recently. Um, well, you know, I mean, I'm always looking. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is that I I find things in the weirdest places. You know, but I have to say, generally speaking, there are a lot of great young players that are coming out, and yeah. I'm I'm very impressed yeah. with so many of them. You know, Dahini is amazing. You yeah. Know, and incredible. And she was so sweet. She actually wrote, I was one of her influences, as oh, she says, yeah. which was, you know, that was, that was so sweet of her, you know. And, I'd, and, and these kids, you know, Hadrian's another one, you know, that's, that's just, they're, they're amazing, yeah. you know. And, and they have the, you know, he has the knowledge, you know, the time, the feel, the, the chops, everything, you know. But again, you know, that's kind of the way, the way the world's going. Mm. And I see that especially with drummers. Mm. You know, these drummers are like mega chops guys, just because they have to be. To, just to get heard. Yeah, to just to get, well, and also just to play the to play the music. You know, the, 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 you know the chops are like a mandatory thing. That's that's like that's <laughs> like the the base. Yeah. You know, you have to have you have to have so much going on to be able to play this music yeah. these days. You know. Yeah. But man, my hat's off to them. You know. It's kind of the same way when we were growing up. You'd see the the generation before you, mm. and they were not as chop heavy as as we had to be. Mm. You know, they, it was more about just time and feel, which, you know, 
Tell you what, at this point, I'm I'm okay playing four four. It's yeah. okay with me. I think as long as that time and feel is consistent, you can add on. Absolutely. Top, you know? Well, that's why I say I. You know, the the, the cool one is going to be the one that comes out. You know, it's like Miles. Miles was never a chops player. Miles played. You know, Miles picked his spots and yeah. he played the right notes. Totally. And man, look at what he did. You know. Yeah. I mean, look how far that went. Yeah. You know, and you look at somebody like Charlie Hayden. Mm. You know. Are you, I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with him, but but man, very very minimal, yeah. you know. But just God, just gorgeous. You melt every note, every note he yeah. plays. You know? Well, maybe, maybe not quite to the same extent, but I thought, you know, Bob Malik, he, mm -hmm. he he's got space in there. Absolutely, and absolutely, his and stuff and absolutely. His tone and time feel are just. Oh yeah. You know. Well, he's a great hybrid because he he comes from such a great jazz background. Mm. He's so advanced harmonically that way but he has this sensibility you know he's, he's very loose and, yeah and you know you, you tell a story you know yeah. and it's great because with this particular music there's a lot going on you know so it's so it's nice to have that that space in the middle sure. of it you know yeah yeah um and what's coming up for you in the future uh well i hope to be back here again soon man yeah. I'd, I'd come back here I'd come back here every three months. I love this place, you know. Be be honest with you, um, but I'm uh, I may be. I don't know if we're coming here, but I'm I'm doing a lot with Mike with Stern, yep, and um, Randy Brecker, and um, and then Lee Rittenauer and Dave Grues, and I'm doing okay. a lot of a lot of touring coming up with them. And in the meantime, I'm trying to put my a new project together. Okay. Which I actually am trying to look at as a as a t possible touring band if I can find the time to tour it. Yeah, you know, like more uh, more as a band as opposed to an album project. Or right, yeah, kind of both, you know. Both. But 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 look at it as more of like a band project, you know, and uh, as opposed to doing like a, you know, a lot of a lot of my albums were projects. Yeah, you know, like like for strictly for recording. Yeah, you know, and I and I ask a lot of folks to play, and everybody was super kind and everybody yeah. played and it was it was wonderful you know yeah. you've done five five so far i've done five yeah 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 and and i'm i really want to do this new thing because i'm hearing something yeah and uh and i just want to jump on it you know and that's that's the other thing too generally that i think is really important for players anyway is to jump on whatever that next inspiration is because i think if you get too stuck in one one thing yeah you know, like like the inspirations don't come along, mm. you know, like they don't come along that often. Yeah, you know, and especially the older and more experienced you get in music. You know, when you're when you're when you're a student, yeah, it's it's a rush, you know, it's, and you can't keep up with it. But it yeah. slows down after yeah. you know over time, and you also I think you get more set in your ways, and I think that's dangerous too. Yeah, you know? so, um, how how do you generally write at the piano or? I'll do. It depends. I mean, I'll 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 sit with a keyboard. I'll hear a rhythm track. I'll hear a song that gives that's, you know, that sparks an idea. The vibe. Yeah, maybe. You know, and and sometimes it's the antithesis of, of the thing I'm listening to. Yeah. You know, like I like I'll just think opposite. I'll be listening to a thing and I'm thinking about something totally different. Like I don't want to do that. I want to do, you know. And so, so I don't care where it comes yeah, from. So it doesn't wild. matter. But a lot of it is is on the keyboard. Some of it is very little of it. I think is is like, you know, listening to just a, a rhythm mm. and writing from that. I'm more European in the sense that I'm looking at more of a, a melody or more of a harmonic concept. Kind of top down. I guess. Yeah. You know, 
Although sometimes I'll play a bass line, I'm like, yeah, that's hip. I can, yeah, cool. I can, I can make something, can something happen from there. Yeah. 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 It's it's interesting, and there's also a lot of dry spells with that too. Yeah. You know, I really admire. This is this is, and this is one of the main reasons too for me that I, uh, that I play with Mike and then I play with Lee because, you know, and and Dave Grusin certainly mm-hmm. is the writing. Yeah. You know, and and Prolific. how they churn it out. I mean, it's it's yeah. just mind-boggling to me. I know. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's you know, you talk about improvisation and just and just hearing these things and and putting I together this beautiful those, music. I, I do think it's one of those things. Like the more you do it, the, the more the more it'll more it'll happen. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, absolutely. You've got to exercise that part of the brain. Oh, listen. There's nothing harder than than taking a cup of coffee and sitting down at Pro Tools and yeah, you know, at a blank Pro Tools session and going, oh God, what am I going to do today? Yeah. You know, but it's cool, man, because then, then you know, an hour later, yeah. <laughs> you've got you've got 16 bars yeah. of something, and it's like, wow, okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I can, I think I can add to this, you yeah. know, or maybe go away and add to it tomorrow. You sure. Know? And are you quite specific with? Um, parts for the other guys, or yeah. yeah, do you write it out, kind of thing? I don't. I, I, you know, I've been fortunate. Sheets, so. Well, I've been, yeah, I mean, I've been fortunate in the sense. Well, obviously, there are parts that need to be written. Yeah, you know, specific things like melodies and things like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and you know, like little hits with the drums and all that. But you know, again, I've been so lucky with the with the guys that I've been able to record with that I don't have to say much because they get it already. Getting the right guys you know? on board's key. Well, and that's the thing. And also, if your if your music, you know, says a certain thing, it's kind of hard to interpret it wrong. Mm. You know, like like there, it's it is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And as long as you've got a basic, you explain the basic concept of the thing, mm-hmm. and you have enough information that they can grab onto what the what the tune is. Yeah. You know they're going to play it, and they're going to play it their way. And I've already anticipated the way they're going to play it because of who they are. Gotcha. You know. So you it's, that kind of influences your writing to some extent. Absolutely. Oh yeah. yeah, I'll write. I'll write for people. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'll hear people. I I wrote a, a song a long time ago. Um, that I finally recorded with, uh, that Randy Brecker finally played on. And when I originally wrote the song, I was thinking about him. Cool. You know, I just heard it the way he would play it. Yeah. And I actually recorded it on an earlier album with a different, you know, I, I used saxophone on it. Okay. But through the years, I always thought, this would be so great to have Randy play on this someday. Mm. And the, the last record, I asked him if he'd play on it. Yeah. I said, yeah, sure, man. Cool. So he did the, he did the tune. So it, it reached fruition. Awesome. You know? It was it was really amazing. So hopefully by the end of the year, you reckon that'll be. That's what I'm looking at. Looking at yeah, that. yeah. I, I really want to try to get it done by then. I've got a lot of touring coming up, but I'm I'm going to try to. It's good to still be busy though. Work in the cracks, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And this is you know this is not a, a, a you know an extremely time specific. Yeah. Project. I, the I kind of company aren't waiting for it. No, it's it's independent, and I I love that, yeah. and and I can work on it at my pace, and you know I go into the studio and I do it at my pace, and you know I don't have to. There's no deadline necessarily. Yeah. I try to get them knocked out pretty fast, though. And once, as I said, I once I know what I want want from it, it, it usually goes down pretty fast. Yeah. And you generally just track live together, or. Depends. Depends. Yeah, usually the rhythm section. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes the horns have to be overdubs. Yeah. Depending on people's availability. You know? So some studios you like to use in New York? They're yeah, you know, they're less and less these days. Yeah. You know, there's there's actually one over in Long Island City that I really love, 
and I'm blanking on the name right now, oh, okay. so this is an edit. <laughs> but um, we'll put the name in here. Yeah, boy, I'm I'm trying to think of the name of the place. I can't think of the name of the place right now. But there's an incredible young engineer over there yeah. that uh, that I've worked with, and that and that is a great mixing engineer, and and you know he tracks and mixes and, and he, he understands what you're going. He for. he he knows exactly what I want. Yeah, that's yeah. a big thing. And um, the last record was actually the only one that I have just kind of basically mixed by myself. I was just listening to that, it sounds yeah. great. I, th I think it's a good, yeah, I, th I yeah. think it's a good record. I yeah, I, I like it. And um, each each one is kind of an ex a, a learning experience and a learning curve, yeah. you know, because they're all different, you Definitely. know? Yeah. You, think, you think even if they seem like a similar genre or whatever, it's a completely different Very ball good. game, yeah. you know? So that's fun, that's, yeah. a, that's, that's a ball, you know? That's cool, you have a little studio set up at home? I do. I've got a little Pro Tools corner. Yeah. I call it, you know, and uh, I, think, I think you know definitely that's one thing that bass players should be getting into today because it's so so easy and so accessible to record yourself. I do a lot of it. I you do know. a lot for other people. Yeah, you know, I send tracks around. I think even just as a, as a practice tool. Absolutely. You know, record yourself. It's oh yeah. So easy now well, you know, I carry I carry an AD converter on the road. I've got a little Zoom. Yep. And I've got my Mac, yeah. and so I can actually, you know, I'll actually just roll roll it and I'll, I'll play along with a drum track or yeah. whatever and then I go back and listen sure yeah you know it's it's good you, you learn a lot that's yeah. for sure definitely yeah I think we've got to wrap it up there we've got to get you back to the oh yeah I got to play a gig don't I yeah yeah that's you're, right you got to play some more notes now do you have everything you uh, yeah you need absolutely another cut obviously but uh, <laughs> no but I mean if they're if they're you know if there's specific questions that you that you want I can address more of a bass kind of thing if you want yeah. or you know this is this was great okay yeah yeah i just didn't know if you wanted to be more specific than general oh. you know but i we, 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 got in, we got into some some details here and there i think so a little yeah. bit yeah yeah but if you you know like like this stuff you know yeah. hands and things like that well i think you know that's the kind of thing that i think you got to see you play yeah i agree you know i agree of course like i, I mean last night well last night i was thinking I mean, one thing that's always kind of struck me is you you play a lot of in the lower register, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, but that's you know when I hear that I go oh that's Tom, like right. it's become it, you know it's part it's how you, I don't know it's how you express yourself. Like I could ask you about why or what you're thinking behind it, but I don't know what benefit that would give to other people or what. Well, yeah, I, I mean know. it depends like, on what they're into. Sure. Yeah, I mean like you know. so what is is there a was it is that a conscious thought to, to play to solo in, in the lower end it was it was transferring what I played on upright to electric that's what I figured yeah you know so so that could be beneficial for guys that are thinking about going into electric bass yeah it doesn't seem quite as daunting if you can kind of directly you know flip over flip over to to your stuff to an electric instrument yeah you know and then I also did it with a fretless bass so it was right. even closer yeah you know to it but um, I never wanted to change that. Mm. You know, that was the thing because it is an identity thing. And I also feel like I can be, which might be interesting um, to the students, but I, I feel like I can be more expressive as far as note lengths, as far as tone on the instrument, because it's a bass, mm -hmm. you know, and you can play high on the instrument and you can play in guitar range, or you can play down here where the, where the bass range is, Yeah, you know? And to me, if I'm playing in the range of the instrument, I get the sweeter sound. 
yeah. I think I think it's really the the part of the instrument that sings. Mm. You know, so what I'm trying to basically do is play saxophone or trumpet on the bass in the bass range. Yeah, you know, and that's why that's also why you know a, a lot of bass players pick every note. I don't. You know, mm -hmm. I pick like. You know, sometimes one in three notes. It's a lot of legato. There's a lot of legato stuff going on here because to me it's lyrical, you know. Sure. And I'll and I'll concentrate if I am playing eighth notes or I'm playing an eighth note pattern, a lot of times I'll I'll put the emphasis on the second eighth note. So it gives like that kind of loping, mm -hmm. swingy kind of feel that, that you would get from a horn, you know. Yeah. And so that's 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 a thing for me. You know, yeah. and that's become, as a result of doing it that way, that's become kind of a signature thing for me. Yeah. You know, yeah. but it's you know it's it's just I don't know, man. It's it's the same thing when you when you hear AJ play. Yeah. You know, I mean, he has signature things that he does on the bass, and he gets and he, there's a sound that he gets. Jocko, obviously. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know that's what that's kind of. You wanna you wanna do it through music. Like I don't I never wanted to just have an identity just for the sake of having, you know, somebody will say, oh, that's him. Yeah. You know, because that's not good enough, man. It's got to be something that's musical. Yeah. It's got to be something that you believe in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's well, it, yeah. I see I see guys that play instruments because they got the endorsement. Yeah. You know, and it really doesn't sound like them necessarily. Mm. And in the closet, they're playing this other instrument that they like better. Yeah, you know. So the guy, so, guy that comes to mind would be Gary Willis, mm -hmm. another super identifiable, right? Honest. Oh yeah, I love the guy. Know? Sure, man. Yeah, and pl playing down in that register a lot as well. Yeah, because you and and you know you can really feel it down there. Yeah, you know. For me, it's it's kind of a and it's kind of a hybrid too between being melodic and expressive and still being a bass player. Rhythmic. And yeah, I mean, being able to feel those rhythms down low enough mm. in the instrument that you can actually, it actually moves air. It's, it's a lot of work. It is, yeah. yeah. You know, but it's great. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, for me, it's actually easier. Huh. You know, I like playing. Yeah. And I like relying on open strings. Yeah. I love that, you know, because that's also, I think that range is, is for me, and this is a very personal thing, but mm -hmm. I think it's a prettier range on the instrument, personally, yeah. than when you get up in the, in, in the higher end. You can play it very open, but there's still something, for me, the way I play, it feels choked. Yeah. Whereas if I'm playing below the octave, sure. it feels a lot more expressive and open. It feels yeah. more like I would think, you know, from my experience in playing trumpet, yeah. it feels more like that when I'm playing in that range of the bass. Yeah. Because I think the strings are moving more down there. Well, you yeah. know, if you're digging in as well, yeah, you know, it's you have a bit more space to work with down there. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe throw that in there if you can it's figure in. out a way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's in. Yeah. Cool, man. Oh man, great. Thank you very much. You got everything you need. Got it all, man. Because once I go, that's it. That's it. I'm done. You're right. You know. That's it. I can call you, but you know, <laughs> the audio will be slightly different. <laughs> That's no, great. Tom Kennedy, everybody. Oh, man, my pleasure. Thanks, man. man. Hey, listen, thanks for doing this, oh. too. My my hat's off to this guy for, for doing what he's doing, because this is this is exactly what needs to happen in this world. You I know? appreciate you saying Open that, information Absolutely. and the right stuff. And, you know, and then you can take what, what you want from yeah. that. You you know? can, I've learned from everybody that I've, that I've had in here, you know. Yeah. Everybody's got a different journey, a different approach, a different concept, and it's all valid. 
Yeah. I well, just, my hat's off to you, man. It's it's. You know, it. Thank you for doing this. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Tom Kennedy, um, what a legend. Thanks very much, Tom, if you're listening, <laughs> for hanging out with me. I really appreciate it. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview. If you do, please um, like, share, subscribe, leave a review, all that kind of good social media stuff. Really helps get the word out there. Thanks again to FBase for helping me um, with some of the costs of this. Thanks to you for listening. I really appreciate it. Stay tuned, and I will see you all again soon.